Welcome to Fast Fiction. Marcy. I saw her again today, just briefly. She looked as if she was in a hurry. Marcy. I don't know her other name. Never did. She hadn't changed much. Perhaps her beautiful lustrous hair was a little more styled for maturity. But her face still showed that intense serenity I had noticed the first time I had met her. The first time I had met her. I thought back. Actually, it was the only time. Yes, now I give it thought, I only met her once. And even that must be nearly, what, yes, 15 years ago. It was at university, way back in 2005. Most of us were students. The world was in much the same state of unrest it is now. Wars, famine, droughts and floods. I was completing my master's in film and television and had called into the refectory for a cup of coffee. It was a particularly nasty day, cold, wet, blustery, and the room was full of wet, bedraggled young people, all apparently seeking the same comfort. I was loaded down with books like everyone else when I managed to see a lone seat at a small table. She was there with her own pile of books in front of her, but she kindly moved them over to make space for mine. You don't mind if I crash for a few minutes? I asked. Just need to down some caffeine. It's such a pig of a day out there. If I stay any longer, I don't think I'll ever leave. She smiled a radiant smile, and I can remember thinking how lovely she was with her flawless sun-tanned skin, luxuriant shoulder-length hair, and the deepest dark eyes I had ever seen. It is savage, isn't it? She said in a warm, friendly voice. Makes you almost glad to be a student with a pile of books to read. We laughed together at this idea, and both grimaced in mock delight at our pile of books. Do anything interesting over the vacation? I asked conversationally, sipping at my coffee. Yes, yes, as a matter of fact, I spent the entire time in a kibbutz, in Israel. Wow, not only was she pretty, she was a young adventurer. For a brief moment, I envied her looks, her youth, her recent holiday, and the fact that she had all her life ahead of her. Gee, you're lucky, I said with envy. That's something I always wanted to do, but I guess it's too dangerous now. With the Israeli disengagement from Gaza, the military occupation must mean it is returned to a battle zone. Oh, it's not so bad, she said. I had a wonderful time in a number of kibbutz. It's a hard life, but the people are so friendly. Now, this was an area of interest I had held for a number of years. How do they work the extended family life, I asked. Who pays for education and health care, and how does kibbutzism differ from communism? How do they defend their democratic principles? My questions tumbled out one after the other, issues I had pondered on for many years. One by one, she answered all my questions, and we were soon deep in conversation as I offered my opinionated discourse on a place and way of life to which I had no experience and limited knowledge. She gently related relevant anecdotes to give me more grounding for some of them and complete reversal of others. The standard of education is extremely high, she said, and although the children are seriously aware of their isolation, they have a wonderful sense of humour and for the most part 
undertake lifestyles very similar to over here. She told me how she had gone about applying for a work permit and how once in the kibbutz, everyone pitches in. There's no such thing as a gender-specific, a freeloader or unemployable person, she laughed. The elders assess you as an individual and then appoint your workload. If you are young and fit, you work in the farms or building sites. If not, you look after the cooking and the children. It was only when these positives had been exhausted that she spoke of the daily dangers she had experienced as she had gradually become a working and valued member of the communities. But what about growing food and its distribution, I asked. She nodded. Oh, there's no doubt it's tough. Everything like growing crops is done under armed guards. They aren't supposed to be there, but many apparent civilians are actually military. And when there are casualties, well, everyone must learn how to tend them. So, did you hear gunfire? I asked. Was there any real danger to your life? Well, we were only a kilometre or so away from what may be called the action area, formerly known as the front, she said almost casually. And, of course, if you tried to cross the line, well, you took the chance of being shot at. It must have changed your thinking, I said. It certainly makes you grateful for life over here. By now the refectory was even more crowded, and although my coffee cup was empty, I stayed on, fascinated with this young girl who I now knew as Marcy. Eventually, however, we both looked at the big war clock, checked it against our watches and timetables, and began to gather our books. So, what are you studying? I asked conversationally, as I began to put on my coat. I'm not sure. She smiled again as she saw my look of bewilderment. That's to say, I was studying education, with a view to being a phys ed and recreational teacher. But now, well, I've got to change my major, and I'm still not certain which way to go. <laughs> so what's wrong with sticking with recreation? I asked, crunching up the empty paper cups and eyeing up the garbage box in the corner. I would think with the accent on health in schools it would be perfect. I saw the glimmer of surprise come over her face as she shrugged, and then looked down. My gaze followed, and I burned from the inside with embarrassment. I had failed to notice the wheelchair. Fortunately, I had spent a good many years with handicapped, or disabled, as the new nomenclature insisted we call people with disability. Experience told me that although I had made an almighty gaffe, it was better to plough on rather than try to cover it over. I'm sorry I didn't notice, I said forthright, and perhaps a shade too matter-of-factly. Then Curious added, So when did this happen? I had the impression you had got out of Israel unscathed and, and fairly recently. The smile now had a touch of whimsy. I did. In fact, I got all the way home. Oh, I spent one glorious afternoon catching up with my parents out on their little property at Kingscliff, and although it was raining a little, I took an early evening ride on my lovely horse, Piper. The change in her tone said it all. I didn't need to hear any more, but she added it anyway. Fortunately, the vet was able to save Piper. He finished up with a badly strained leg, but a few months in a splint had him back as new. By now she had loaded her books into the little bag stretched across the back of the chair. She extended her hand. So lovely to talk with you, she said. 
I hope you get your wish to go to Israel one day, when the fighting is over. It will be well worth the visit. Now, I'd best go over to administration and get my future sorted out. And then, with difficulty and cumbersome in her raw expertise, she wheeled herself out of the refectory into the blustery wind of the winter's day, the remainder of her books precariously stashed on her lap. I thought back to that day this morning, remembering as best I could the world as we had known it then, just fifteen years ago, how much it had changed. I shuddered inwardly. Instead of sympathy, Israel was now being condemned for fighting back against the Palestinians. Global warming had brought us even more fires, floods and famine. There was now a world shortage of grain and wheat. It seemed that most of the world was at war. And there was far less money for humanitarian needs. For in addition to everything else, nearly every country was in a financial recession. Back then, mobile phones were rare and communication limited. Nowadays, you could have a thousand friends on Facebook, but was the world any friendlier? The intervening decades had taken their toll, and I felt an overpowering, innate sadness for all of us as I watched Marcy make her way along the street. She moved deftly, and I could not help but feel a sense of admiration and pride for her. She's so much better and confident at wheeling herself around now. But then, she's had over 15 years' practice. You have been listening to Marcy, written and narrated by Brianda Cross. If you enjoyed this little anecdote intended to make you think, why not visit our magazine podcast blog at briandafrombrisbane.com, where we discuss a different topic in each episode. Thank you.